Psalm 110 and Isaiah chapter 1. In the 110th Psalm in the first verse, the Lord said to my Lord, sit thou at at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord shall send the rod of your strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of your enemies. How I many know we don't have to postpone victory till heaven? We can rule right down here in the midst of our enemies. Right? He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Right in the presence of the, the enemy, the devil. He says, verse 3, your people shall be willing in the day of your power. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning, you have the dew of your youth. Say that, uh, that first phrase in verse 3 out loud with me, please. Your people shall be willing in the day of your power. Say it again. Your people shall be willing in the day of your power. Is there a connection between the power of God and the willingness of his people? Absolutely there is. I'm telling you, the church has been lied to and deceived and doctrines of devils have actually been preached from the pulpits of churches that pretty much just convinced people that we're waiting on the will of God for everything. It's just up to him. We're waiting on him. It hadn't happened because he hadn't got willing yet. When the reality in so many things is he's been willing. He doesn't change. And his power is well able to change it, but he's been waiting on his people to get willing. Willing to believe what he said. Willing to receive what he said. Willing to act on what he said. Amen? Do you suppose that if we get more willing and more bold to act and more yielded and more compliant and more willing to do, that we'd see more power manifested without a doubt? Without a doubt. This is true in our witness. But this witness works two ways. Go to Isaiah now if you would. Let's look at this. You know it, but let's look at it again. Isaiah 1 and verse 19. Do you have it marked? You ought to. It's wonderful. Is it true? Is it true for you? You know, you, you, you have to claim things personally and apply them to yourself individually. Do you know there are people in this city, there are people in this state and all over the world today and tonight that believe that God is and believe that he's real and believe that Jesus is real and believe that he died on the cross, but they're not saved. Why? Because they have not yet received him as their savior. Amen. The same thing is true. It's not enough just to believe that God is a healer. He must become my healer. Amen. Not enough just to believe that he could meet needs and he could provide. He must become my provider. Amen. My blesser. Amen. He, He leads me. He protects me. And you'll find that whatever you say that he is to you. It gives him a right to manifest and be to you. Amen. If you say he never does much for me, I don't know why. Then you've limited him. 
You've closed the door on him because you say you don't believe it. But, if, you know, I, I got started saying this years ago and I didn't realize what I was doing. But the Holy Ghost will lead you in the right way even when you don't know. I just, you know, the Lord's doing good things for me. And I just say, the Lord is so good to me. Oh, he's so good to me. He's, if I didn't know better, I'd think he's a respecter of persons. He liked me better than other people. But I know that ain't true. He, he's so good to me. It seemed like the more I said it, the, the more good he was to me. And then I'd say, man, he's so good to me. Whoo, he's so good. And then he'd say, you think that's good? Watch this. <laughs> but then, you know, things, good things just keep happening. But then there's other folk that go, well, I don't know. I don't understand that. I mean, you know, I don't know why you say that because it doesn't happen for me like that. I mean, I pray and I try to serve God, but it just seems like I don't get very far ahead. Nothing like that ever happens to me. I've had people tell me that. I share a testimony of what God did for us. Well, I have nothing like that happened for us. Oh boy. Yeah, but do you want it to happen for you? Then you need to begin to say, he does that for me. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm? Yeah. Two people got that. <laughs> when you hear a wonderful testimony, what should you sit there and think? Man, they must be a real man of God. <laughs> Whew, they probably got faith way on out beyond where I'm at. I guess one of these days I might get up there sooner. It works by faith. By, not by wishful thinking. Not by wondering and procrastinating and pushing everything off into the future. No. When you hear a wonderful testimony, you ought to say, he does that for me too. <laughs> he does stuff like that for me. Me too. Yeah. Me too. That's a good sermon, ain't it? Me too. Me too. Amen. Amen. That'll also rid you of all envy. Rid you of all jealousy. Amen. You'll want to see better and better things for, to happen for other people because you get to say what? <laughs> me too. <laughs> it happens for me too. Yeah, he does that for me. Now you need to say it when it looks like there's no way it could happen for you. Say it looks like when there's no indication that it would ever happen for you. That's what faith is all about. Calling those things that be not as though they were. Amen. And not being moved by what you see or don't see or feel or don't feel. Say it out loud. Me too. God does that for me too. Yeah. Well, if you just got that one thing and acted on it, it'd be worth your trip tonight. It'd change your life. Say it out loud. Me too. Me too. Me too. <laughs> God paid my car off. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory. So you, you want me to say some other things, don't you? <laughs> no, I'm sitting there like. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. God gave me a much nicer house than where I was at. <laughs> he paid off debts. Hallelujah. Glory to God. He gave us a vacation place. Woo. Glory to God. God blessed us so we could write big checks in the offering. You too? <laughs> How about that? Glory. Glory to God. Me too. Me too. Whatever it is, you don't know. God's no respecter of persons. 
what he'll do for one, he will do for the other. Don't, don't put people in, on pedestals and categories that you cannot attain to. It's a lie. It's deception. Now, you may not want everything that I want. You may not need things, some things that I need to do the job. But everything you need and want. Yeah, I said want. Everything you need and want. You're sold out to do his will. You have a right to holler me too. I claim one. Amen. And just don't give up. Just stay with it and it'll come to pass. Because he said, verse 19, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. We ought to say that at least three times. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Again, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Now, if uh, you haven't been fully eating the good of the land, would there be something to check up on here? Have I been fully willing? Or have I been fully obedient? Because I don't care who you are, that's a full-time job. To stay completely willing every day and every night. And to be completely obedient every day and every night. And I think one thing that maybe hasn't been emphasized as much as it could have or perhaps should have. Is we preach and say that God wants you blessed and he does. And that healing is for you and it is. And that prosperity is for you and it is. But there's a great truth here too. That if you want God's perfect will for your life. You must do his perfect will. For your life. Do you understand? Elsewise, why would this read like this? If, that's a, a if, condition, right? And keep reading, it goes on. If, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you'll eat the good of the land anyway. No, you won't. You'll be devoured, you'll be consumed. The mouth of the Lord has spoken. Sometimes we don't like to read the next verse, but it's true too. And if you want God's perfect will for your life, if you want his best for your life, then you need to give him your best. And you need to pursue his perfect will in doing his perfect will for his life. Did you hear that phrase? Now, if you want his perfect will, you must what? Do his perfect will. God's perfect will is that we be healthy and live a long time. God's perfect will is that we have plenty for everything we need and want and to be a blessing to everybody around about us, to always have all sufficiency in all things and abound to every good work. That's the will of God. But are there a lot of people who don't have this? Are there a lot of people, a lot of Christians, that, that, that don't enjoy good health, that die in midlife, a lot of Christians that, that don't enjoy full provision, that don't enjoy peace. Well, is there a connection here? There are a lot of people who don't do the full will of God. I know in healing school some years ago, uh, I was working with a man, and he was one of the nicest men you'd ever want to be around. Lovely Christian, loved God, you could tell that. Kind, meek, 
he was suffering from a terminal disease. And he came there as a last resort. We worked with him. He decided to just come stay with us for several days, I think two or three weeks. So I got to know him a little bit over that period of time, seeing him every day, preaching to him, and praying with him, laying hands on him at different times, at least once a week probably, and ministering to him. And, and I just, over the, the, after the first week or two, I just didn't feel like he was progressing like he should. And uh, there was something needed to be dealt with. I got to praying about it, seeking the Lord about it. Felt like I should talk with him one-on-one. -on -one. So we sat down and talked about his life and about what he had done. And uh, without me asking, he began to share some things that he felt like God had put on his heart. And the Holy Ghost started moving on him. He just broke down and started crying. He said, you know, the Lord dealt with me when I was a teenager to, to be a missionary. Told me a certain country. He, I mean, he didn't think so. He knew it. He said, the Lord dealt with me to go there. And I wanted to. I said, well, why didn't you? He said, my wife. He said, I, I met her later on. I was getting ready to go. But then, uh, you know, in, in late teens and early 20s, we were dating and, and married. And she didn't want to go. I'd talked to her about it, but she didn't want to go. And he said, so I just, I didn't because of her. Because she said, well, if you go, you're going without me. And uh, he said, so I just stayed. He said, but we've been sick for decades. We've struggled. Nothing's been right. Well, did God do that to him? No. no, he didn't do that to him. But see, that's not his plan. You know, the Bible says there is a way that seems right to a man. And see, he knew better, but that seemed right to her to stay. And, uh, but the end thereof is what? Destruction and death. And uh, it's like this. I mean... If, if you're going from a point A to point B, there's a certain route that'll take you there. Well, if you go on the direct route and the correct route, you'll go through certain, let's say you're driving to a place in another state nearby, you'll go through certain towns, certain cities, certain places. Well, you, if you get off the right road, you will go through places that you shouldn't have gone through. Right? Might wind up in a bad part of town. Might hit a big pothole or run over a tree and have an accident. Whereas if you'd have been on the right road, you'd have never seen that tree. You'd have never seen that pothole. You wouldn't went through that place. Right? And there are a lot of people that are going through some bad places in life, experiencing a lot of bad stuff. And it's not God's will. It's not his fault. They're on the wrong road. They got off the, the track of the perfect will of God. And so then you go through a lot of sorrow and a lot of problems. But it's not the will of God. I really, as I, as I sat there talking, because the man was older now, and uh, he'd been sick, and his wife had been sick, and they just had problem after problem, year after year, for decades. And he's sitting there crying because he knows he spent most of his life, and he didn't do the perfect will of God. Well, it cost you. And all it was, I mean, it was unwillingness. It was unwillingness on her part and unwillingness on his. Somebody said, well, what should he have done? Do you know the answer? I said, do you know? Tell me what he should have done. He should have obeyed God. What if she wouldn't have gone? Well, then she wouldn't have gone. Hmm? Sometimes people will try to tell you, well, you know, your family comes first, not before God. 
I mean, what you remember Moses and Zipporah? What if he'd have put his wife ahead of God? Hmm? I mean, we could give you example after example. No. Uh, Yes, your family is important. But everybody ought to know God's number one. We're going to do what he says. Amen. Amen. And you know, the greatest favor that you ever did your family was obeying God. I had family relatives, you know, 25 years ago tell me not to do what I'm doing. Oh, don't do that, you know. I'm going to leave everything that I know and go to school and, and, and pursue the Lord's call on my life. And oh, they tried to talk me out of it. Just stay here and do this and, and do that. Go, isn't the Holy Ghost here? Can't he teach you here? And they had some pretty convincing arguments. I didn't have answers to everything back then. I just knew that something in me said I had to do that. So I followed that. And these same people, 10 years later and 20 years later, are the ones patting me on the back, go, boy, you did the right thing. Yeah, you know, you did the right thing. Why? Because I'm in a position to help them now. Amen. Spiritually, maybe financially, if I listened to them, I wouldn't be. The greatest thing you ever did for your family was to obey God. And in some cases, when you step out to obey God, it seems like initially you get further from your family. Hmm? And if they're not going to follow him fully, and you are, well, then there's going to be a split and a gulf. But I'm telling you, obey God. Obey God anyway. Amen. And you will see that in the end, they'll be glad you did. They'll be glad you did. How many believe that's true? Amen. How many are going to obey God? No matter what mama says. Our daddy says, our brother says, our sister says, hmm? or some well-meaning sister or brother in the Lord, or even some minister. I thank God for ministers, but don't just follow everything a minister tells you. you got the Holy Ghost in you. And if God's talking through them, it's the same Holy Ghost in you that's in them. You'll have a witness. It'll seem familiar to you. It'll seem right to you. While they're talking inside, you'll be going, yeah, 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 this is right, this is right. Amen. But in the final analysis, trust in the Lord, the Lord, with all your heart, and don't lean to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and what did he say? He will direct your path, and he's going to guide you right through Blessingville, right through Healing Town, amen, right through Prosperity City. Amen. You follow him, you'll wind up in some good places. You believe it, don't you? Glory to God. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. We talked about, we don't have time to review everything, but we went into quite a bit of detail about how that the, the key thing And all that we say and do before the Lord is not the external actions. It's not the physical thing. It is the heart. God doesn't see like man sees, 1 Samuel said. He sees the heart. We looked at examples of people who did a wrong thing, made mistakes, but the Bible said their heart was right, they're perfect through the whole deal. We looked at examples of people who did the right thing, and yet the Bible said their heart wasn't right. So it's possible you could do, uh, make a mistake, and yet God, he doesn't just look at that. He looks at your heart, what you intended, what you meant, 
what your desire was. Amen? The Word of God is a discerner and a divider of the thoughts and intents of the heart. He is the Word of God, and He knows. I'm so glad He does. You know, I've had people get upset with me before and didn't understand why I did what I did or, you know, said things that weren't nice and some things that, that could have made you feel bad if you listened to them. But I'm so glad the Lord knew what I meant. Amen. And he knew your heart. And he, there's been times when I looked back and grew a little bit and saw where I'd made some mistakes and felt bad about it. And the Lord even comforted me in me kicking myself. And he said, no, son, I knew your heart. I knew what you meant. I knew what you were trying to do, even though you were in some ignorance and didn't do some things right. He, he judges us not according to our uh, external mistakes, but according to our heart. And hallelujah, you can have a right heart every day. Amen. Maybe you make a mistake, but don't let it be because you weren't trying to serve God. You wanted to. You were trying to with everything that was within you. We talked about a number of things. We talked about that it is the willingness of our heart that makes all that we do acceptable. Our unwillingness makes it unacceptable or unblessable. We got into last night talking about the results of being willing. You want to talk about that just a little bit more? Sure. Do you remember some of the things we got into last night? Number one, we said to you that uh, when you get willing, you get revelation. Amen. From John 7. He said, if any man will do his will, he will know of the doctrine, whether it is of God or whether I speak of myself. Unwillingness clouds your judgment. Unwillingness darkens your understanding. Unwillingness confuses your own spirit. Unwillingness will prevent God from talking to you because he, he knows. You know, I saw some things uh, when, back when I worked with Brother, he, Brother Hagen in healing school that I didn't understand at the time that, that I got to later. I saw sometimes people come to him and try to talk to him about something, and he just walk off and them talking. <laughs> Wouldn't even acknowledge that they were there. <laughs> and sometimes they sounded so meek and soft-spoken and sincere, and, and I'm trailing along behind him, and I'm thinking, Phew, Dad, this is a respectful term we refer to him by, uh, you know, man, that's just, you know, they'll think you're rude. They'll think, you know. And I didn't understand some of that until, you know, 15 plus years later, one of my uh, uh, associates, people that were helping me in healing school, brought it to my attention that I did the same thing. I said, you got to be kidding. They said, no, that man was trying to talk to you. And you just walked right off and didn't even pay any attention there. And I stopped for a moment and I realized what happened. They didn't know it. But at that moment, I had just got through ministering and, and, and the spirit was strong and, and I was in the spirit. Sometimes you don't even, you're not even aware of some things. But more than that, when that guy came up and started talking to me, I knew in my heart he wasn't sincere. I knew it. And what he didn't know that there was another guy in the next room that was waiting on me to come talk to him, and he was sincere. This guy, now see, you know, when you, when you get operating in some things, the, the word of knowledge can operate. And you can know some things. You don't know everything, but you can know some things about people's hearts. 
And I knew this guy, all he wanted to do was wrestle with me about some doctrinal point and, and tell his story. And he wasn't willing to change. He didn't really want to hear. And so, see, God knows that. And he doesn't regard vanity. Now, I don't know all that about everybody, so we just endeavor to be nice and operate, you know, and give people the benefit of the doubt most of the time. But with him, you can start rattling and talking, and I don't care how flowery it is and how many verses you quote. He looks through all of it. He sees your heart. And if you're not sincere, he's not even listening. And he's not ready to talk to you about it if you're unwilling to do what he he wants to tell you to do. And he knows that. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what you'll hear and what you won't. And that's why Jesus would say, him that has ears to hear, let him hear it. Oh, it's so, it's so important. I mean, revelation of his will, revelation of his plan for your life, revelation of the rich word of God, and a discernment to know what's him and what's not him. It just opens up to you when you get really willing. Can you say amen? amen? Secondly, we got into talking to you about how that when you get willing, you get there. Yeah. <laughs> you get to your destination. When you get willing, you, you reach where you're supposed to go. Amen. How that they got willing to take Jesus into the boat when they saw him walking on the water. And immediately the boat was at the place where they were drawing, where they were traveling. We talked about Jonah. He had a real bout with unwillingness. You remember that? <laughs> and it was real rough. And we talked about how that when you're unwilling, you can do a whole lot of rowing and no going. Remember that? And I mean, Jonah said, out of the belly of hell I cried. Unwillingness got him out of the ministry and into hell. The belly of hell. Hell in this life. But willingness got him out of the belly of hell and back in the ministry. Amen. Amen. As soon as he got willing in the belly of that great fish with that seaweed wrapped around his head and that stomach acid chewing on his ears, he, he said, I cried out of the belly of hell. And, but he got willing. This big old fish vomited him up on the shore and he jumped out and said, I'm going to preach. <laughs> Some people are easier to get willing than others. Some folk have to go through more. Some people go through junk all their life and never get willing. Just stubborn. Just hard-headed. No, I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, it's going to be hard for you. You know, like the Lord said to the Apostle Paul, who was actually Saul at that time and was going around persecuting the church. You remember when he met him on the road to Damascus, he said, Saul, Saul. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks, ain't it? Ain't it tough? Guess what he was doing? He was, you know, something in him was telling him that there's something here he needs to see, but he didn't want to hear that. He, I mean, if he believes in this Jesus, he's got to disagree with everything he's been taught and all this religious establishment that he's climbed his way to the top in. And I mean, he didn't want to admit that. And that word means prick means cattle prod. It's like a pointed stick that they would poke the cow with to make them go on. Sometimes if you've ever seen that, if you poke the the cow, they'll kick at it. Mm. And that's what he was doing. 
the Lord was prodding him a little bit. No, Paul, you no, no, there's something here you better look at. He's going, mm, I'm going to persecute another Christian. <laughs> so, I mean, it just, you know, sometimes, and this is something to understand, friend. Don't, don't think by what you don't see in loved ones' lives that God's not answering your prayers and dealing with them. You don't know. When you ask God to send labors across their path, when you ask God to enlighten the eyes of their heart and understanding, when you're believing God for them to come to a saving knowledge of Him, you don't see them change next day or next week. They may act like they got meaner. They may do more drugs. They may drink more. Act crazier. Well, they, they may be just kicking against the pricks. You don't know. They may be laying across the bed at night and God's dealing with them so strong. They don't know what to do and they don't want to do it. Get unwilling so they just get up and do some more drugs. That's all right. Stay with them. I said stay with it. Keep believing. As long as there's breath, there's hope. Keep believing. Keep speaking it over them. Don't be moved by what you see or don't see. And know that God is answering your prayer. He is dealing with them. He is sending labors across their path. Just stay with it. Maybe they're kicking against the pricks. Maybe they're bucking against what they know they should. But that's all right. Keep God on their case with your faith and with your prayer. Hallelujah. Somebody did for you. Amen. Stay. You may be the only one they got. You know, stay. Don't, don't quit them. Stay with them. When you get willing, you get there. You reach your destination. I want you to turn with me to 1 Corinthians 9 this evening. In 1 Corinthians 9, let's look at the uh, 16th verse. 1 Corinthians 9, 16. He said, but for though I preach the gospel... I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is to me if I preach not the gospel. You know, we, we can't take credit or shouldn't try for our own call, our anointing, our ministry, because we didn't call ourselves. You know, we didn't save ourselves. You know, he said, you didn't choose me. I chose you. Right? Amen. You, you can't take credit for these things. Thank God you said yes. Thank God you're endeavoring to obey. But, I mean, he, he stayed with you and dealt with you and again and again. And so many said no and turned away. But he just stayed with you and continues to this day. And Paul said, though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is to me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing, willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, if I do it, because I know I've got to, or else it's going to cost me, but I do it against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed, or we might say is still committed to me. Another translation reads like this. He said, uh, if I preach voluntarily, I have a reward. But if not voluntarily, I'm just discharging the trust that's committed to me. If I do it willingly, the New King James says, I have a reward. But if against my will, I have been entrusted 
with the stewardship. I've had people tell me, you know, they get to reading over James and where it talks about, uh, brethren, don't all of you try to be teachers because we'll be judged with a, a greater judgment or we might say a different judgment. And people say, oh, man, I wouldn't want your job. Ooh, you know, because you're going to give account for everything you preach and teach. <laughs> I wouldn't be called. Well, no, listen, there's another thought here. If a person is called, but they don't answer the call, they never preach a day in their life. When they stand before the Lord, they'll be judged as a preacher. For the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. He does not change his mind because somebody didn't obey. And don't, just because I would be called to stand behind the pulpit and you're not, doesn't mean you're not called. You are called to do something. Amen. I mean, maybe you're supposed to own a transmission shop and be a good Christian and, and provide jobs for some of you workers there and show them what a good Christian man or woman's supposed to do and be a light in your community and make money and tithe and give offerings and be a good father. That's a call. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And if you don't give yourself fully to, as fully to that as I'm supposed to give myself fully to being a preacher, then you're going to be judged the same. Yeah. Right? That's right. No, I mean, this is foolishness to say, well, I wouldn't want your job. You got a job. Yeah. Are you doing your job? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I got to do my, I'm supposed to do my job, but you're supposed to do yours. And the thing is, none of us have to. None of us have to. I didn't have to answer the call on my life. I could go crazy tomorrow. And say, I'm going to get on my motorcycle, get me a new tattoo, and I'm riding away. <laughs> I'm going to smoke me some dope. I'm going to have some fun. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> that ain't really fun. Mm. You can kill yourself trying to have fun and be unsuccessful. <laughs> Anything that gives you a few moments of physical pleasure, it's going to leave a bad taste in your mouth. As soon as you get through and it's going to chew on you, and the wages of sin is death. Yes. Right? Yes. It's a big lie. I mean, you know, the devil paints a pretty picture. But he don't show you the rest of the book. Right. He don't show you the next pages. I mean, he, he'll paint you a big, you know, you see on these billboards sometimes. Here's this guy. He's cool. He's suave, man. He's got a pretty girl on both arms. He's got a cigarette. He's got a, a big drink in his hand. He's the man. He's the man. He's a partier. Woman's man. Money man. He's a player. But they don't show you down the road when the money's gone and the women are gone. And his body is in a wreck. He's got cancer, he's got AIDS, he's got venereal disease, and he's laying there dying, broke, and weak, and nobody even to hold his hand. Hmm? Mm-mm. No. No. The Lord doesn't tell us don't do anything just to spoil our fun. The things he tells you don't do is because it'll kill you. The wage, oh, it, it may not kill you the first day, but you stay in it, it's chewing on you, it's killing you. Every day. He's got a better way. I said he's got a better way. Amen. He'll give you a good man. 
or a good woman that'll love you and stay with you and you can have everything that you want physically. He'll give you money, amen, and bring you up and he'll prosper you and bless you and so you can lay down at night without guilt and peace and satisfaction. Can you say amen? But you got to be willing. You got to be willing and you got to choose his way. He's not going to make us. Paul said, I've got this charge committed to me. I've got this stewardship entrusted to me. And, and, and it's given to me. I mean, whether I want to or whether I don't, it's given to me. And woe is me if I don't do it. The way of the transgressor is hard. So running from God is like Jonah. You're going to wind up in the belly of hell. Woe is me if I don't do it. But did you get this? I have a choice. If I do it willingly, if I say, all right, okay, this is my call, this is my thing, God's put his hand on me to do this, and I know I've I, I got to do it if I want things to be right with me, but I don't have to, but I'm going to say, yeah, not only will I do it, I'll do it willingly. I'll rejoice to do it. I'm glad to do it. He said, if, you do, if I do it that way, I get reward. Hallelujah. Is this a biggie? Reward. Now this is interesting. Why would he say it like this? Could you just presume that if you do it dragging your feet and griping and belly aching the whole way, you'll be rewarded the same? Obviously not. I get reward if what? If I do it willingly. Willingly. Go to Acts, please, the 26th chapter. Acts chapter 26. Anybody going to get some reward in here? (laughs) You can increase your reward tonight just by making an adjustment. You You can go begin tomorrow doing the same things you were doing today, but get more reward for it. Why? Because you're willing. Willing to do it. Glad to do it. Amen. Hallelujah. Paul made a statement. It it rings in my heart. He said, I will gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more I love you, the less you love me. Is that the love of God? Is that a man of God? Is that faith of God? Hallelujah. Say it out loud. I will gladly gladly spend spend and be spent and and do the will of God. Hallelujah. I'm talking about a happier life. Amen. Void of griping and belly aching and dragging your feet about stuff. Well, Lord, why'd you call me? You're acting unworthy of such an honor. The apostle Paul said, you know, he, he, he delighted that God had counted him worthy. Putting him into the ministry. Oh, it's a privilege. It's an honor. Didn't say it's always easy, but it's a privilege. It's an honor. Look in Acts, the 26th chapter. Thank you, Master. The 26th chapter, Paul is standing before King Agrippa. And he's speaking. You know, the Lord told him when he first met him on the road to Damascus, he said, you're going to bear my name for the kings and Gentiles. And here he is some years later standing up before the king. Telling him about Jesus, about how he got saved on the road to Damascus. And the Bible said in uh, 
he's speaking and speaking down through these verses to verse 27. And he hits the punchline. He he knows the Holy Ghost is working on old King Agrippa. He, He can look up there and see. And he says, King Agrippa, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. I know you believe. Holy Ghost working on him. He perceived that. Then Agrippa said to Paul, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. (laughs) And Paul said, I would to God that not only you, but also all that hear me today, this whole bunch, this whole Colosseum here was just both almost and it did go ahead and be all together. Such as I am, except these bonds. That was Holy Ghost sharp, wasn't it? How he slipped that in there. (laughs) He said, I wish every one of you was both almost and all together, just like me. Except for these handcuffs. (laughs) Almost persuaded. If you're almost persuaded, are you persuaded? Could we assume from that that King Agrippa got saved that day? No, you couldn't. Everybody say almost. Almost. Persuaded. Persuaded. Is that good enough? No. Hmm. What if you said, you know, I almost went to the service tonight. (laughs) Did you come then? (laughs) I almost went to work. I, I was this close. I mean, I, I woke up and thought about it and everything. I almost. <laughs> if you almost went, you didn't go. Right? <laughs> if you were almost persuaded, you weren't persuaded. If you were almost willing... Hmm? I almost am. I tell you, Lord, keep working on me. Because I'm off. I would I'd almost do that. You know, if the Lord really dealt with me, I would almost, I'd almost do that. That's the same as not doing it. Hmm? Same as not being willing. We talked about this earlier, about the lukewarm, or the cold or hot. Didn't we? Is the Lord big on this? I mean, cold or hot, but don't mess around with it. Don't play around with it. If you're going to do it, do it. Amen? Do it. This thing is so serious. I, I, I knew it was serious, but I didn't know it was as serious as it is until I got here this week with you and got into this some more. Back up with me just a few chapters here. Into Acts, the fifth chapter. Everybody say almost. Almost. Is not close enough. enough. What did he say? Not just almost, but what? All together. Wholehearted. Fully in. Amen. You know. You feel for folks sometimes. 
I've had person after person through the years come and say, you know, and you could tell it was genuine. They say, Brother Keith, Brother Keith, God has put you on my heart. You know, I'm supposed to help you some way. And, and sometimes, you know, it's not right, but sometimes it is. And sometimes they're, they're just stirred up about serving God, but sometimes they are supposed to help you. And in some of these cases, some of these folk did. But people sometimes don't realize what kind of commitment the Lord is requiring of us. You can't just do this on the side, this Christian thing. <laughs> Did you hear me? The Lord has asked and required of us that we lay our life down. Is that right? I mean, nothing less is satisfactory. He has asked and required more than a lot of people realize. Lay your life down. Give your life for him. Take up your cross daily and follow me. I mean, some of this language sometimes folk don't want to look at. But you can't just be a casual Christian and fulfill the will of God and have all the blessings of God. A Sunday Christian. Did you hear me? And we, there's a lot of folk like that. They got their life and their thing, and they also go to church. People say, what's wrong with that? A lot. A lot. And I had a fellow talking to me just a few weeks ago. He uh, talking to me about some of these things and asking me, you know. And I said, well, brother, because he, he want, wanted more. He just felt like there's more in God from me. Well, if you got that in you, guess what? Deep calls unto deep. Yes. If there's something in here calling for more, there's more. There's more, yes. Wonder if there's more? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't wonder about it. There is more. Yeah. There's more out beyond that more. Yeah. Yeah. And folks, and he's talking about, well, how, how do I get to that? I said, it has a lot to do with your commitment level. How much are you willing to give? You know? How much are you willing for your schedule and your routine to be interrupted? How much are you willing to give yourself? How much are you willing for your life to change? Are you willing to uproot and relocate? Are you willing to totally change everything? Are you willing to do whatever it takes? And we had to get this way. I'll never forget back in the, the 70s, God was dealing with me and I didn't know much of anything about God, but he began to work in me. I know now I had a call on my life, but I didn't know what was going on. I mean, I got to where I didn't enjoy my job. I got to where I didn't enjoy my motorcycle or my hot rod or anything. I mean, things just wasn't right. And I mean, two o'clock in the morning, find me in the floor praying on God. What's the deal? I mean, what do you want? What's going on? I mean, I'd go out in the woods and pray on God. What? And what it is, is I was, I was feeding my spirit on good tapes and books and I began to grow. And I began to get more sensitive to him. And I began to pick up. He had a plan for my life. He's got a plan for all of us. But when you come to that reality, you've also got to face this. Am I willing to follow it? And I went through, we went through some uncomfortable times, man, because you, you, you know, when you begin to look at it, he's dealing with me to leave home. He's dealing with me to leave my job, to leave my folks, to leave everything I know, to go to some place out in Oklahoma I never heard of. <laughs> Nobody knows me out there. I don't know anybody out there. I don't know how I'm going to make it financially. But you got to get hungry enough that you say, 
I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'm, I, if he wants me to go to Antarctica, whatever he wants me to do. Amen? Amen? And you look back now and see that it was that willingness, that commitment. We took all our little meager belongings and loaded them up on our little 69 Chevy pickup and in our little Vega. <laughs> Looked like the Beverly Hillbillies. I kid you not. <laughs> and we launched out. And it looked so meager. And sometimes you'd sit and, and think, man, have I lost my mind or what? What are we doing out here, you know? But, oh, man, it was the beginning. I said it was the beginning of God doing such amazing things for us. I would have never imagined, I'd have never thought that he could have used me to do these things or done these things for me or through me. But it comes right back to that, that commitment, that willingness. Like I said, I've had people, you know, they come in so hungry and God move on. Oh, I, I want to help you. Okay. All right. Let's go. But then after a while, they realize this is going to totally mess my life up. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I can't do this. I mean, you mean you got to be on call 24 hours a day and you got to be ready to. Just pull up. I mean, I, I get, you know, we're used to this and the Thomases are used to this. But a lot of folk don't realize what kind of lifestyle we live. I mean, if God do, deals with you, have a prayer meeting at three in the morning, you have a prayer meeting. If he deals with you, okay, fly to the other side of the world and do this. Well, you just change everything and you do it. And after years of living like that, you just think, well, hey, this is normal now. But a lot of folk don't think that way because they like their meals at a certain time and they like to go to the game at a certain time and they like to have their nails done at a certain time and they like to, you know, and then this, well, this is my shopping day. Well, and then this is, I do the flowers on this day. Brother uh, Ray McCauley, South Africa, years ago, uh, a lady came to him and said she brought, brought her a friend or said, you know, she, she needs healing. She's been diagnosed with a terminal disease. And he talked to her for just a minute and saw she's not ready to receive. Faith is just not there. He said, you know, we're having a special healing service tomorrow morning, Sunday morning. Lord's already dealt with me. Come there and get in the service and listen close and then work to get ready to the end of the service to receive. And she said, oh, 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 tomorrow. No, she said, tomorrow is, is uh, the day I work in my flower beds. At my house. I always do. I've done it for years. What do you say to people like that? Hmm? I, I know I talked to a, a lady in healing school one day. She brought her mother. And uh, they, they wanted me to pray with her. They wanted a quick fix. They talked to us. You know, they want me to, to zap them. And her be okay. <laughs> You know, I picked this up one time in the spirit. Some folk had come there, and I couldn't put my hand on it exactly what, because something wasn't right about them. And I got to pray it, and this is what I saw in the spirit. Some things are different, you know, than the natural, but this is how I saw it, that they were like this. They didn't want to get any closer to God than they had to, to get that healing and then go back to their life. That's what they were trying to do. Just close enough to get it and then go back. They didn't want their life messed up because they, they, they were a bit preppy. 
and they had them a nice little life that they had all fixed up. And they, they, they went to the club on certain days, and they golfed on certain days, and, and they played bridge on certain days. And, and But see, the Lord had a plan for their life. And when you try to do that, he'll say, oh, no, 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 come on up here. Come here, come here, sit down. Sit down right here. You and I need to talk. We need to make some changes. And if you follow him fully, you will lose your life. Amen. You will. What about my life? You're going to lose it. (laughs) What about my dreams and my plans? Out. (laughs) Gone. Bye-bye. But if you do, what did he say? Then... Then you're going to find true life. You're going to find the real life that he's had planned for you all along. My, my, my. My, my. Is this thing big? It is. Do you want all that God has for you? Then what does he want? All of you. Everything. Heart, soul, mind, body, everything. Everything. He wants you to get in. Fully in. Amen. Be willing to do anything. Go anywhere. Anytime. Treat things important and significant. And I've seen person after person start out pretty good. And then as the years went by, they just kind of backed off. and It just was getting too inconvenient for them. It just was requiring too much of them. They, I have a life. I need my time. I need my space. Oh, but friend, you do that, and it's going to cost you. It'll cost you. It'll chew you up. It can shorten your life. It can mess up your marriage. It can mess up your finances. It can open the door to problems in your body. Say fully willing. Fully willing. willing. And fully obedient. obedient. In Acts 5 here, notice this. You know the story. Barnabas. And different individuals are bringing land and houses they had and sold it and gave the money to the apostles and to the church. And a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession and they kept back part of the price. His wife being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. And Peter said to Ananias, why has Satan filled your what? This was a heart problem, wasn't it? This wasn't any calculator mistake. Heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and you kept back. Everybody say kept back. You keep back part of the price of the land. Keep back. Keeping back. Hebrews talks about we are not of them that draw back to destruction. This drawing, he said, if you you draw back, I won't have any pleasure in you. This withholding. Now think about this. You know the rest of the story. He said, while it was remained, wasn't it your own? After it was sold, it was in your power. Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You've not lied to men, but unto God. You lied to God. And Ananias heard this and fell down and gave up the ghost. Died on the spot. How many believe this really happened? It did. Has God changed today? Is he different now than he was then? No, no. But think of, ask yourself the question, why so severe? 
I mean, a lot of people have messed up and made mistakes, but I mean to fall dead on the spot now. Why the judgment so swift and why so severe? They feigned total willingness. Did you hear me? These other people had a right heart. They were willing to do this. They wanted to do it. They were willing to give their all. This is a holy thing to the Lord. You know, we touched on a little of this last night in the offering. I could sense it in my heart. The Lord was pleased with people because some folk were doing some things fully willing. Nobody's making them, twisting their arm. These things are holy. I said they're holy to the Lord. Why? Not because of the money, but because of the heart that people bring it with. Because they're willing. And some, folk, some of these people were willing to sell their, their places. I mean, well, houses and lands were then like they are now. I mean, this might have been something that had been in people's family for generations. Sold their land. Sold their houses. And they did it because they loved God. And they wanted to bring it and give it to the Lord. That's precious to Him. And here's somebody in the middle of that wants recognition they want to be talked about like Barnabas was but their heart's not there they're not willing to do it and that unwillingness causes them to hold back and keep back part of it and the problem wasn't that they didn't give all of it if they had said well I'm willing to give half of it and been honest and come and gave it it would have been all right but they tried to act like and feign and pretend that I'm wholehearted in this. Oh, yeah. I love, we love God. We want to give him everything. We just want to get. And he said, you are lying to God. And he fell dead on the spot. Is this heart thing, this willing thing, is it a big issue? My, it is. How big it is. Now, real quickly, listen. I'm going to give you just a couple of things, and I'll try not to keep you too long. What we can do to act on to get willing and to get more willing. Go, with, go to Philippians, the second chapter. Philippians 2. And go ahead and find Hebrews 10 while you're turning. Two openings. I'll try not to take too much more time. Philippians 2. Hebrews, I said 10, but I think it's 13 is what it is. Hebrews 13. Philippians 2, Hebrews 13. What can we do to get more willing? In Philippians 2, I want you to realize in verse 13, Philippians 2, 13, that God is willing to help us in this thing. In Philippians 2.13, it says, it is God who works in you, both to what? To will and to do of his good pleasure, do all things without murmurings and disputings. In Hebrews, let's flip right over there, Hebrews 13 and 21 verse 20 and 21 of Hebrews 13, he said, now the God of peace. That brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. This is a prayer. Listen. Make you perfect in every good work to do what? 
to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. What can I do to get willing, if I hadn't been, to get more willing? Ask him to help you. Amen. And pray this prayer over yourself. Even when you feel totally unwilling. Confess Philippians 2.13 and pray Hebrews 10, uh, 13, rather, 21. Yes. Pray it over yourself. I've prayed this prayer over myself for years. Lord, I, I, just, I just go to the scripture and just pray it right out of the Bible. Lord, you the God of peace that brought again from the dead my Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make me perfect in every good work to do your will. Working in me that which is well-pleasing in your sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen? Amen. You want to pray that right now? Yes. Pray it out loud. Father God, Father God the God of peace, God of peace who, brought who brought again from the dead, my Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus that great shepherd of the sheep, shepherd. through the blood of the everlasting covenant, I ask you, make me perfect in every good work to do your will, working in me that which is well-pleasing in your sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Confess this other, say, God is working in me. Both to will and to do of all his good pleasure. He's working in me to will and to do of all his good pleasure. That sounds like willing and obedient, doesn't it? Amen. How can we get more willing? Ask him. Ask him. And confess it. Now, secondly, as an amplification on the confession part, in Psalm 40, you can turn there or not, but Psalm 40, verse 6, 7, and 8, in Psalm 40, this is a, a prophetic scripture. It applied to the Lord Jesus. It applies to us as well. He said in the living, he said, Psalm 40, verse 6, it isn't sacrifices and offerings that you really want from your people. Burnt offerings bring no special joy to your heart, but you've accepted the offer of lifelong service. That's the living on this. Then I said, see, I have come, just as the prophets foretold, and I delight to do your will, my God. Your law is written on my heart. Hallelujah. Agree with the word. And put your words and confession on it. We talked about this some the other night. About how that I've learned myself. You know, if I get all set on something and I think, Lord, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. And he says, no, I don't want you to do that. Then immediately I can just change, just inside, just will to will what he wants. And say, right, you don't like it, I don't like it. Right? (laughs) Even if my flesh is going, no, I like it. I just shut up, flesh. He's smarter than you are. You don't know what you're talking about. I delight to do your will, O God. Your law, your word is in my heart. And I delight. Not just I do it, screaming and kicking and dragging my feet all the way. I delight to do it. 
Now, the times when you sometimes need to most say this is when you do not feel like you're willing. You don't feel like doing it. Something's required of you or something you know you should do and your flesh goes, "Uh -uh. uh-uh, no. (laughs) This is not my thing. I don't want to do this. No. Then what should you say? Bite your lip. Right? Don't start griping about it. Bite your lip and say what? I delight to do your will, O God. Your word, your law, your will's in my heart. And I, not only will I do it, I delight to do it. I won't just do it, but I will gladly spend and be spent. Amen. Why? Because if I do it willingly, I get a reward for everything I'm doing willingly. Can you say amen? amen. Willingly. Willingly. Now, one of the things that will motivate you so strongly, and it's a prayer. Actually, you could back up and pray this prayer in Philippians. The first chapter where he prayed, I, I pray that your love would abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment that you may approve the things that are excellent. May be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Loving God is what motivates you. You love him enough, you want to do it. Amen. Even if your flesh thinks you don't want to do it, if you love God enough, you want to do it. And your love for God is not just a static stamp measure thing that you get. It's supposed to be growing. How many know you can love him more tomorrow than you do today? Your love for God and for his people and his things can be much greater by the end of this year than it is right now. And that when that love is greater and greater and stronger in you, it'll motivate you. You just want to please him. You want to do it. Why? Because you love him. Amen. Amen. You get that love in your heart working for you. You get those prayers working for you. You get your confession of your mouth working for you. Amen. Then no matter how unwilling you may feel, that unwillingness just ain't got a chance. With all these great forces of God working on it, next thing you know, you'll lose those feelings uh, of hesitancy. You'll lose those feelings of rebellion and disobedience. And you'll go on and do it, and you'll find as you got into it, he was right. He was right. This is the right thing for me. Amen. Glory to God. Now, I want us to do something here in just a moment. I want to lead you in a prayer. But I believe the Lord is asking some folk in here tonight, will you raise your commitment level to me? Hmm? He's shown you some things during these sessions why some of his perfect will hasn't already come to pass. You haven't been fully committed to do his perfect will. And, well, sometimes people say, well, he... He hadn't shown me anything. I asked him, do you know, do you want me to do anything? And he hadn't said anything to me. Well, if you're not willing, he won't talk to you about it. Did you hear me? A lot of times you've got to get willing in your heart. It's kind of like this. I mean, you know, there are FM stations broadcasting all over this city. But you cannot pick it up on the AM band. Can you? If you're on the wrong band... I don't care. You can, you can install extra amplifiers in your car and extra speakers. You can put big whip antennas on every fender. You can have so many amps on there that it sounds like you're frying eggs two blocks away with speaker hiss. You can pull up your car and make the bumper touch the radio station. 
<laughs> but as long as you're on the AM band, you will not pick up the FM station. And until you get on the willing band, until you tune in to the willing station, you're not going to pick up the broadcast of the will of God and the plan of God. Amen. Stand on your feet, why don't you please? I want you to just close your eyes and just check your heart for a minute. Just pray in the Spirit. Pray. Commune with the Lord just a moment. Father, we bless you. We glorify your holy name. You are our life, Lord. Our eyes are on you tonight. I pray right now, during this time of reverence before you, during this time of waiting on you for a few moments, and looking to you, Lord, show every heart and every mind the thing that you're wanting to show right now about the next steps, about the next degree of commitment, about the next degree of service. Lord, give us this hunger and desire to want your highest, to want your best, to be willing to completely sell out to God, to leave comfort, to leave familiarity, to not hold on, to not draw back, to not pretend or feign full willingness, but to really have it, to really do it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Just pray a little bit. Look in your heart. Oh, conostile. Avelamblascon de palabre, je no bon delas. Ambelangosan de benias. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Avoncomblascon de benibrigine bot governant menge de banda bamasia. Belevronoscon de pristio la passia. Evelagos dia ge, je ne mont dama, zebedivia noste. I want you to say it out loud only if you mean it only if you really mean it Lord I am willing I'm willing now whatever it may be anything anything you want me to do anywhere you want me to go anything you want to use me to do as much as I know in my heart I'm willing I'm willing now I'm willing now show me what you want to show me hallelujah this ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church if you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.